Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. So good morning, everyone. I'm Tracy. I'm one of the leaders here. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation uh, in kind of through the book of Isaiah and the prophets. And we're going to divert a little bit out of Isaiah today, and we're going to focus in on a couple of books that are specific to what we're going to talk about today, which is this idea that God gives us a new heart, a new spirit, and a new covenant. So if you've got a Bible with you or a Bible app, turn to Jeremiah 31. That's going to be the first place we start. And while you're doing that, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we do come before you this morning, and we are uh, expectant, expectant to hear from you. Um, thank you, Lord, that your presence is here and that you are changing hearts. And I just once again pray, Lord, for the hearts of the young men and women that will go away to camp uh, in this weekend, that they, would, that they would be touched by you and um, that their hearts would be changed. Um, thank you, Lord, that we can gather together and hear your word today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were um, here, like Matt talked about last week, if you were here with us kind of for the first half of this series, we've been going through the prophets, and we remember the prophets spoke this two-part message, and the first part was all about judgment, because Israel was doing a poor job of following what God wanted them to do. And the second part was about this idea of hope. And hope is what we're going to kind of focus in on today. Matt gave us three aspects of hope, if you were here last week. And those are the things that um, we're going to continue on with today. The first was the victorious king, this idea that, that Ezra was expecting God to come as this victorious king, kind of this warrior king. And yet, in Isaiah 53, the form that he was going to take was the suffering servant. And we talked about that last week. And today, we're going to continue on, but we're going to continue on with the idea that in this new kind of hope that God is giving, we're going to get a new heart. And God says he's going to give us a new heart. It's part of the new covenant that he's going to create, and that's going to be done through the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're going to focus in on. Next week, Matt will continue kind of this final aspect of hope with the, with the new um, heavens and the new earth. But the aspect that we're going to talk about today is this idea that, that Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Isaiah does as well, Joel does, this idea that God is going to give us through these prophetic visions uh, that, that these prophets had a new heart. And he's going to give us a heart that will enable us to respond to who he is and to what he has for us. And the, the kind of the, the tag that I want us to remember or the, the key thought that I want us to walk through this morning's teaching with is this. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do when our hearts are fully yielded to him. I'm going to say that again. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do if our hearts are fully yielded to him. So as that's going through your mind, we're going to journey through some of the old testament and into the new little historical background isaiah which we've been in the prophet isaiah for about five weeks now preached his message of judgment and hope to the northern kingdom of israel and those of you who remember in 722 god brought judgment upon the northern kingdom assyria came in judged them the northern kingdom was no more 
They were in exile. That's when, that's when the prophets Joel and Isaiah were prophets. Flash forward a little over a century, and we get the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And they're now in this exile state, but they're from the southern kingdom, and God was giving them prophetic words for the kingdom of Judah, the only part of Israel that existed at that time. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel both, Jeremiah a little bit before Babylon came, and Nebuchadnezzar brought judgment upon the southern kingdom, a little bit before the southern kingdom was in exile in Babylon, and then uh, Ezekiel during the actual exile these words are the ones that God is speaking about this new covenant and how Isaiah and Joel and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are prophesying that God is going to bring them back into his promises and give them this new hope. But he's going to do it in a way that they can't do. He has to do it for them and for us. And that's the context in which I want to look at one of the key themes of this passage this morning in Jeremiah, and that's this theme of the heart. If you look up the, the, the Hebrew word lev or levav uh, in the Old Testament, it's something like 55 times it occurs in the book of Jeremiah. It's a major theme in the book of Jeremiah because Jeremiah is concerned, as is God, with what's going on in our heart. Jeremiah understands and expresses, perhaps more clearly than any other prophet in the Old Testament, that the heart is what is of primary importance to God. And behavior, while important, is secondary. God is concerned with what's going on inside of us. And that's this context in which we're going to look at what Jeremiah has to say to us about the heart. Because the relationship between the heart and the behavior is critical to understand. Especially in the Old Testament context. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew understanding, you know, a couple thousand, three thousand years ago, the heart was where everything took place. The heart was where our emotions were. It's where our intellect was. It's where our fear was. It's where our bravery came from. Everything came from the heart. They didn't have an understanding of, of, of the way we do of a scientific brain. So when the Hebrew talk about, in the, in the Hebrew text, we're talking about the heart. We're talking about every part of who we are responding to God. That, that's another thing to kind of keep in mind of that understanding. All decisions were made in the heart. All decisions were made in the heart. Our priorities were set. Our values were set, established. It's where the heart leads and our feet and our mouths simply follow. You ever heard that before? You're going to follow after your heart, right? And some of us have experienced good and bad for that. But we are called by God to establish this relationship with him. And he's going to do it by working on our hearts. That's why Jeremiah, in his emphasis, is not on some external code of conduct. Do this, do that, be this, be that. Act like this, act like that. Jeremiah understands that the emphasis has to be on our heart and what is going on deep inside the core of our being. Deep inside. What's going on down here? That's what God's working on in this context that we're talking about this morning. Because there's always reasons for why we do what we do. Take a little child, for instance. A little child is reacting to what 
their feeling to what is inside their heart. If you ask our young children, why did you do that? They might shrug their shoulders or perhaps say, I don't know. If you ask, ask some older people why they did that, they might shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. God is concerned about what's going on. And we need to understand that regardless of how our children respond or how our friends respond or how our family responds or how our, our co-workers respond, there's something in their heart that is motivating them to act that way. It's driving them to respond or react in the way they did. Jesus understands that when he said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. He understands that, and that's why he wants us to look at what's inside. That stuff is important. It's, it's not the starting point in Jeremiah about what we do. The starting point in Jeremiah is where this is coming from. That's the key. The starting point is our heart where we make decisions. And for the prophets, especially Jeremiah, the only solution for the human condition, this difficulty that Israel was facing not being able to follow the things that God wanted them to do, the way that he wanted them to relate to him, the statutes that he had put forth in the Ten Commandments, in the Old Covenant, the way he wanted them to relate to him was to first deal with the heart, to first deal with their heart. And this morning we're sitting here in Spokane and we're, as Matt said, close to the epicenter of Father's Day. And I want to say to each one of us here today that God wants to deal with what's going on in here. He wants to deal with it. He wants to do the healing work that only he can do deep inside our hearts. It's exactly God's solution. In fact, God's solution in Jeremiah 31, if you have your Bible open, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 should have a little earmark on that page in your Bible. It should either be highlighted or underlined or dog-eared on the corner, and many of you are smiling right now because that's exactly what's going on. In Jeremiah 31, 31 is the announcement of the new covenant that God is going to establish. Jeremiah 31, 31 starts with this, and it's up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. This is the Mosaic covenant that they had been given in Mount Sinai. Okay? So when he took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt... He met them on the mountain, and he established his covenant with them. That's the Ten Commandments. That's what he's talking about here in Jeremiah. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Notice it is the exact same purpose that God had for the old covenant covenant for, for the for the ten commandments that were given out in mount sinai the same purpose that he is going to do he's going to put his laws and his statutes on our hearts in other words 
He's going to do for us what we can't do on our own for ourselves. That sounds like a mouthful to some of you. But understanding that God is concerned about what's going on inside of us, because if the things that are going on inside of us in our hearts are brought into fullness, are brought into the healing, um, have, have, have received the healing touch from the Holy Spirit and are brought into the fullness that God wants for us, then we will be able to do and act and be the person that God wants us to be. We don't do and act and be the person that God wants us to be in order to be in right relationship with God, in order to have that heart that is able to respond to him. We get the heart from the Holy Spirit touching us, grabbing us, showing us the places that he wants to heal, and that enables us to be the person that God intends for us to be. Do you see what's important there? The importance is that, that God's doing the work here. He's doing the work here. It's not a list of boxes you check off every day. And, you know, if you're OCD and you need boxes to check off, that's okay. But you check off the boxes because God's Holy Spirit has already done the work here that allows you to do those things in freedom and joy and out of the love for what he has done for us, each one of us. The whole concept of this is that God himself is going to do the work. God himself, through the prophet Isaiah, or through the prophet Jeremiah, is announcing the inbreaking of the kingdom of the new covenant and the promise that things are going to change. Things are going to change for the people of God. And that includes us here today. God promises that he's going to do that. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at the new covenant, when I think about the old covenant and the new covenant, one of the questions that comes into my mind is, well, what, what was the difference between the two? I read this passage and I think, okay, how was the new covenant new? What was new? What was different from the old covenant under Moses? And, and you probably need to know that scholarly theologians, this is kind of an area of debate. Okay? And that's okay. It's okay that people agree to disagree on exactly how this thing is established and how this thing works itself out in terms of what the old covenant, whether we're still under the law or whether we're completely outside the law and only under the new covenant of the Holy Spirit. The important part to understand is that God is going to establish something new. God's going to establish something new. And the old ways that we react to or the old ways that we have been forced into because of our lives have an opportunity to change because of what the Holy Spirit is willing and able to do in our lives. For me, I believe the Old Covenant and the New Covenant are, are really close together. I, I think they're more similar than they are different. And, and they're both, because, because the goal is the same for both of them. The goal is that our hearts would be turned towards God. The goal is that we would be able to do the things that God wants us to do and has created us for. But there is one radical difference about this new covenant, this new agreement, this new relationship that God is going to have with his people. And here it is. The new covenant comes with power. 
The new covenant comes with power like it never had come before. The new covenant comes with divine power, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jeremiah is pronouncing. That's the point that Jeremiah is saying is going to be written internally on our hearts. So, so 3,000 years ago, when Jeremiah was given these words, well, technically it's about 2,700 years ago, for those of you who are doing the mental math right now. When Jeremiah is given these words, this is what he was prophesying. This is what he was foretelling, the coming of the Holy Spirit in this new covenant. Because it's not some law that's going to be etched in stone like it was up on the mountain. Rather, it's going to be written on our hearts. He's going to not write it on tablets of stone, but on tablets of living heart, of human flesh, is what it says. In, even in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, Paul says that. The New Covenant is going to come with God's power, first of all, to change our hearts. In church theology, language, if you want to call it, call it that, this is the doctrine of regeneration. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's making something new. It's creating something new. So what Jeremiah is talking about here is the Holy Spirit beginning the process of turning our hearts to him. When I was a 15-year-old man, young man, going away to Young Life Camp, I had a whole lot of things on my heart, and most of them weren't God. Okay? Clarkson was a place where we, we worked hard and we played hard. And I was like a typical young man. I was thinking about a lot of things, but it wasn't about how God was going to change my heart. Until I sat there, and the guy who was talking started talking about this Jesus and talking about these fishermen that were called to follow him. And all of a sudden, I, it was like I was in this tunnel vision. And everything else paled in comparison. And all I could see was, and I don't even remember hardly what the guy looked like, but I, all I could hear was God speaking to me. Because I needed to have that change in my heart. I needed to be touched by God exactly in that way. That's what Jeremiah is talking about here today. It wasn't written on laws of stone. I mean, I could, we could pass out tablets of things that you need to do and don't do at the back when you walk out. Is that going to keep us from doing the things we should do or shouldn't do? It's not going to for me. The only thing that consistently works is that God is speaking to us by his spirit into our inner being. We're going to talk about that in the middle of the summer when we talk about Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. That's where the change comes from. That's where the change is impacted so that it changes how we live and act and breathe and think and speak and everything that we do. Because everything that we do isn't going to impact us in the same way that the Holy Spirit can do if he grabs onto our hearts. That's the point that Jeremiah is making. That this new covenant is going to come with God's power first and foremost to change our hearts. He's going to give us his spirit to do the work that we can't do. Jesus says in John 3, unless you're born of water and spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God. It's a regeneration taking place there. Being born again. 
born of water and what did he say? The Spirit. It's the Spirit touching us. It's the Spirit changing us, transforming us, healing us, doing the things that we need him to do. Because the way that we have intimacy, true intimacy with God, is always through our hearts. That's why God is always concerned with our heart much more than what we do. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is continually transforming our heart. Back to the church theology language. That's the process of sanctification. It's God taking us and molding us and turning us into who the Holy Spirit intends us to be. By the Holy Spirit, who God intends us to be. The process of becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what it means to be sanctified in that process. And it's an ongoing thing. And you know what? Even this week, I, at 58 years of age, am in need of transformation. And in need of more sanctification. And the Holy Spirit has been working on my heart. Just like he wants to work on your heart. Just like he wants to touch each one of us who's here today. Because the power that comes from God through his Holy Spirit in the context of the new covenant is the kind of power that not only changes us and makes us into the children of God, but it's the kind of power that as we abide in him, like Jesus talked about in John 15, as we live with Christ, as we live in communion with him, as we live in community with one another, it's the kind of power that breaks the bonds of sin and dysfunction. We'll let that one sink in for a minute. It's the kind of power that breaks the bond of sin and dysfunction and hurt and pain and shame and whatever it is that to this point has got us to who we are and where we are sitting here today. Because we all have it. I have it. You have it. We just have it in different stages. Every person, every family is dysfunctional in some way. We're just working on managing our dysfunction and understanding and becoming more self-aware and figuring out who we are and who we need to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants to sanctify us. Recently we were listening to Steve Oliver share a story of when he got prayed for back in the mid-90s. And uh, <clears throat> he had gone to get to this place, and he got prayed for, and, and nothing, nothing really happened, he said. And yet, at, he had been there for a couple hours, and as he was leaving and walking out, one of the leaders says, oh, hey, I, I noticed you back there, you know, and they struck up a conversation. And he spoke a couple of words over him, I think I'm getting this right. And all of a sudden, it was as if God just put him in that zone himself. You know, he put him in that, that place where you knew that it was just you and God there. And he, he shares about seeing a picture of his own heart. He saw a picture in his mind of his own heart. And he started to see cuts and bruises and little wounds, and some of them had partially healed, but they weren't all the way healed. And he, he shares that he, 
he, he's wondering, what, what are those? What are those? And, and one by one, the, the Holy Spirit began to take him through each one of those little wounds. And he, he shares openly that one of them was, was the, the death of his mother. And, 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 and God walks him through that moment. And as he's sitting there feeling God holding his heart and the Holy Spirit working on him, he visually sees that wound just, just re-heal, become whole. And one by one, these little cuts in his heart, some of them wider and some of them a little bit smaller, and one was maybe something that happened with a brother years and years ago. And God takes his heart and the Holy Spirit just begins to heal him. I don't even know if he knows how long he was there. But what he shared was, when he walked away, his heart was whole. His heart was whole. He was healed. And would he share, would he, if he was standing here today, he would share, God is still working on him for sure. But God did a work on him in his heart that only he could do by the work of his Holy Spirit. This was a man that had been walking with God, that knew God as his, Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And many of you who are here today know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And yet we've, we've all got these little places in our heart that have these little wounds. Got these little, these little holes or these, these little tears or whatever they are. The new covenant and the new spirit gives us a new heart. It provides that healing that only he can do. Because that's what the new covenant is about. It's about this empowering work of God's Holy Spirit to do the things inside of us that only he can do. Many of you weren't alive in 1980 as well. But those of you who were remember this event called Mount St. Helens that blew. And those of you who grew up in Portland have heard about the story anyway. I was... Uh, at university in at WSU. And, and we heard that the mountain had blown. And I was actually, as a civil engineer, I was in a, an, a geology class. And so we were studying what was going on inside, down inside the crater. And there's all sorts of movement. But all of a sudden, it kind of took everyone by, by surprise. And it blew. And it blew. It blew such a magnitude of debris into the atmosphere, some 80,000 feet up, got into the jet stream. And in a very short period of time, this huge wall of dust was heading east. Now, like every good college student, we didn't get down on our knees and pray. We had an end-of-the-world party. And the world didn't end. But I have to tell you, the kind of power that was displayed 40 years ago at Mount St. Helens pales in comparison to the kind of power that God will pour out in your heart to do the healing work that only he can do. Because some of you sit here today and you say, my wound is too deep. You have no idea how deep my wound is. I have so many wounds in my heart that there's no way the Holy Spirit could heal me. Yeah, that's great for you, Tracy. Yeah, that's great to hear about you. And yeah, God can do something there. But God can't do me. God can. 
And God will. We've heard testimonies up here in the last couple of weeks about God doing just that. Amazing stories. Because that is what God wants to do. That's who God wants to, wants to do in us. We see that played out in the next prophetic section that I want to talk about briefly, and that's from Ezekiel 36. Because Ezekiel spells out exactly what God's going to do. And that's a question that we should have. How's God going to do that? In Ezekiel 36, specifically in 26, God says this through the prophet, I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to do what? To walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And it's not about the rules and the statutes. It's about God doing the work in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. That's got to come first. That's got to come first for each one of us. And you know how powerful God's Spirit is? If you look to the next chapter in 37, there's this really kind of a bizarre story that he tells. It's a prophetic vision that Ezekiel has. And Ezekiel has this vision of these dry bones in this valley. And they're not, they're not just dry, they're, they're dead. They're just, they're just dried up, sun-scorched, you know, carrion bird picked over bones. There's no life in them. And, and God gives this vision and speaks the word to Ezekiel to go and preach to these bones, these dead bones. How would you like to have that as your next assignment, Matt? <laughs> go preach to dead bones. Just a skeleton, right? Doesn't seem like it was what we would want to do. And I was reading through this and I was thinking about that and I was thinking about all the times in my own life when, gosh, my heart, my life has felt like a bag of dead bones. Just laying there, lifeless. No fruit, no life, no vibrance. Just, just feeling dead. And, and Ezekiel actually says, you know, gosh. I mean, I'm sure he's thinking, I've got better things to do than this. And, and the Lord says this in verse 5. Go and say to these bones, behold, I will cause my breath to enter you. Go way back to our study when we started this Old Testament journey. We talked about the breath of God, the ruach. The, the same word for breath and wind and Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is, is ruach. He's going to cause his spirit to go into these bones. He's going to cause his spirit to go into this, 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 this cavity or this this pile of decay and death, and what's he going to do? I'm going to cause you to live again, he says. 
and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put my breath, put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now in your mind, you're picturing this skeleton laying on a sandy desert floor. And all of a sudden, ligaments and, and, and connective tissue starts to appear in, in the joints. And, and organs start to appear in the chest cavity. And all the, all the things that hold our bodies together begin to appear from the, from the, from the inside out. And then it's covered with skin, and then he causes his spirit to breathe life into this. And I mean, in my mind, I'm just thinking to just stand up, and, and they're whole again. And, and they're vibrant again, and they're able to do the things that God created them to do. And maybe today, that's exactly where some of us find ourselves. We just feel like dead bones. We, we've heard from a, a few people who... Who have, who have shared, after people have shared their, their testimonies over the last few weeks about how God has touched them and all that, and, and some people have, have, have shared, you know, I just, I don't, I haven't felt that. I want that, but I haven't felt that. I haven't felt that life, that vibrancy. God wants to bring that new flesh, that new healing, that new touch to everyone who's here. Regardless of who we are. That's the amazing thing about the new covenant. Is God's spirit is able to breathe new life into the dead. And maybe today that's for you. Or maybe today that's for someone you've been praying for for a long time. I'm talking years of praying. For new life. To come on these old bones. Whether it's a son or a daughter, whether it's a mother or a father, a sister or a brother, it's the coworker you've worked with next to it in your cubicle or at work for the last 10 years, and you've been praying for them. You've been praying hard for them. You've been on your knees for them. See, God's Spirit is able to do just that. I don't deny that that's, a hard, that's not a hard thing to hear. It's not a hard thing to walk through. It's hard to keep going back and back and back and saying, Lord, when are you going to do this? Gosh, I'm crying out. My, my knees are bloody. I need some new flesh here. When is that going to happen? That's going to be an odd uh, thing, podcast to listen to. Because the forgiveness that was promised in Jeremiah 31 and the new life that was promised in Ezekiel 36 and Joel chapter 2 had just come to pass in great measure. And the Holy Spirit was changing lives. And you, go, you walk through the, the rest of the, of the book of Acts and, and people who have been, who have been plagued with, with all sorts of stuff, bleeding for years, um, blind, not able to walk. They come to Peter and they say, you know, I, I want some of that. I want some of that power. I want you to, to heal me. In, or can you just give me, some, give me a little bit of money so I can eat today? What does he say? Silver and gold have I none. But what I have I give to you. Arise and walk. 
And the guy had been sitting on, on, the, on the mat for, for, for three decades, I think it is, almost four decades, stands up and walks away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had invaded his life and Peter's life. And we need to expect that the Holy Spirit will do exactly that in our lives. Because that's where it's all going to end for us. Revelation 21 talks about us gathering together around the glassy sea. No more, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. We're worshiping God. He's going, his, his purposes are going to come to pass. And he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be so whole. And, and as we approach the, the table this morning, I, I want to, like Matt did last week, I want to ask three questions of you. There's going to be a prayer team over along the wall or grab someone and ask them to pray for you if you need prayer. But, but I want you to think about these three questions. Do I trust Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit enough to give my heart to him? And I know that's a big decision. Because some of us had these huge, protective, steel, titanium, you know, buried in 20 feet of concrete boxes wrapped around our hearts. And to give God your heart and say, you know what, will you do with me what only you can do is a, is a tender thing to ask. But I'm going to ask that question of you. Do I trust Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit enough to give my heart to him. And then as you do that, ask God, Lord, where are the wounds of my heart that I need the Holy Spirit to heal? Whatever they are. Gosh, mine would be a list long that God has healed me from things over the years. And there'll be things that I have to be healed from in the future. We're all in this together. Because I want to be able to ask you, individually and corporately, for River's Edge, for the sake of the kingdom of God in Spokane, to see God's will be done in Spokane as it is in heaven. Are you ready to fully yield your heart to God and see what amazing things the Spirit can do through you? Through you. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for, for your tenderness. That as we hand our hearts to you, Lord, you are the one that has created and, 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 and molded us and knows every aspect of who we are. So Lord, as we, as we step forward in faith, would you hold us with love and tenderness would you begin the healing work in our hearts that only you can do give us the strength to to stand up and proclaim to a friend or ask for prayer or whatever it might be just sit quietly where we are and say lord i, I need you i need you here i need you here because all the external stuff is overwhelming at times i did, i need you here because i want you to do amazing things 
through me, through the power of your spirit as I yield myself fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen.